Let us pray. God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. I surely can't be uh, the only one who is a little bit shocked that Thanksgiving is now come and gone, and it is already the first Sunday of Advent. At this rate, it feels like Christmas is going to be, I don't know, tomorrow? My sense of time is off. I feel disoriented these days. And I think it might be a function of the pandemic. You know, COVID really threw off our sense of time. The first Sunday of Advent in 2020, um, do you remember? I sat down here by myself. There was nobody else in the building that day. We were all joining the service on Zoom. Uh, there, was a, there was a wreath with a candle over my left shoulder just to remind us what, what time of the year it was. That was two years ago. It feels like it was five years ago to me. It feels like it was eight years ago. Or maybe it's a function of age. As I'm getting older, uh, I find that time is a little bit warped. Or maybe here at PMC, it's just that the fall has felt very compressed by so much stuff going on. Or maybe it's the World Cup. The World Cup is being played wildly out of season. It's being played in November. It's not going to finish till de December 18th. So I think it's fair to blame FIFA, at least in part. Whatever the cost, I feel a little lost in time. And I suspect I am not the only one. So let's try a little thought experiment. If you can, imagine that you haven't looked at a calendar for a while, or you haven't noticed the date on your phone. Where does it feel like we are in this fall season? Like, what day would you say it is? See, to me, it feels like we are in mid-October. I feel like Halloween should still be on the horizon. I'm not sure at all how we've gotten to the end of November already. However we got here, though, this is the first Sunday of Advent, so uh, bad news, kids, Christmas really isn't tomorrow. So I have to wait four, four full weeks, you know, tw tw uh, four weeks to go, 28 days. On this first Sunday of Advent, we've heard two readings this morning from the prophet Isaiah and from the Gospel of Matthew. And the readings that are meant to orient us in time, to situate us in time, to help us get our temporal bearings. They're meant to help us answer the question, when are we? Now often, uh, we're asked, we ask ourselves, where are we? Or sometimes we're asked, how are we? We even wonder sometimes, what are we? But not often, when are we? I've been reading an interesting book lately by, uh, uh, by a philosopher, uh, a theologian named James K.A. Smith. It's titled, How to Inhabit Time. And he's the one who asks this admittedly sort of clunky question, when are we? It's an important question, though, because often we are disoriented. Time flies by, or, or it stands still, and it can leave us feeling sort of disconnected from what's going on around us. Sometimes we get overwhelmed uh, by time. It's like a wave crashing over us, and uh, we get frantic. We're just trying to keep our head above water. It's swirling around us. It carries us along, and we lose sense of, of when we are. Or some of us um, look at the sweep of history, the sweep of politics and culture and the economy, and, and either we feel responsible to fix the times we live in, or uh, we just get cynical about the future and we withdraw as if we can step outside of time. Or personally, uh, some of us might feel like we have a past that we can't escape, uh, or a future that is hopeless. The 
readings today are about time. They're about our time. They're meant to help us answer this question, when are we, so that we can live well and meaningfully and faithfully now. So in the first reading, we heard the ancient words of the prophet Isaiah. And though it was written a long time ago, it contains what is still a remarkable vision of the future, of what God promises will be. Now, if you read the rest of Isaiah, Isaiah often is holding people to account for social injustices. He's holding people to account for the sinfulness of their life together. Uh, they take advantage of the poor. They ignore the needs of the widows and the orphans. Uh, they don't show hospitality to strangers and refugees. But here, Isaiah starts with a hopeful vision of the future, that God will judge the nations, that conflicts will be settled equitably and peacefully, that weapons of war will be turned into gardening tools for growing good food, that nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they study war anymore. It is a hopeful vision, although at times it is hard to imagine. In our time, and we have this war in Europe, Russia bombing cities in the Ukraine with the renewed threat of the use of nuclear weapons. Um, ancient conflicts continue to erupt. I mean, daily there are stories of mass shootings here in the United States. And yet, when we hear Isaiah, something resonates deep in us. The theologian N.T. Wright calls that an echo. An echo of something that's always been true from the beginning of time. And even if we can't figure out how or when... We still want to hope it will be true in days to come. In the Gospels, Jesus embodies the vision and the hope of Isaiah. In the Gospels, Jesus talks about it as the kingdom of God, as the beloved community where nothing's missing, nothing's broken. Everyone, everything is made whole and holy. In his life, Jesus enacted this vision. He fed people who were hungry. He forgave people who had failed. He welcomed people who had been left out or discarded. And when the powers that be had had enough of him, when they insisted on sustaining systems that privileged themselves, when they used their powers of fear and violence, Jesus refused to do anything other than act in love. Even as they crucified him, he forgave his killers. In Jesus, this hoped-for future that Isaiah could foresee takes root, and it begins to grow. But by the time Matthew writes this gospel down, it is already 30 or 40 years since the time of Jesus, and people are starting to wonder when. When is this future going to happen? When is this kingdom going to come? And now it's been 2,000 years. And when I read the news, I wonder the same thing. When? Well, in the passage that we've heard today from Matthew chapter 24, Jesus uh, is speaking in apocalyptic language, right? It's fantastical, cryptic, kind of otherworldly, and it's meant to be. It's meant to convey that this future God promises is essentially different than what we have come to expect. It reminds me of something that Flannery O'Connor once said about her novels. Flannery O'Connor was a southern uh, novelist. And in her books, there were some remarkable, startling, fantastical characters. And when she was asked about him, she said, For the hard of hearing you shout, and for the almost blind you draw large and startling figures. And that's what apocalyptic language does in the Gospels. It's the same thing you hear in the book of Daniel, the same thing you hear in the book of Revelation. When our senses are dulled, when hope fades, Jesus shouts. He speaks in large and startling ways to help us see the gap between what is and what God promises will be. But when he's asked when, 
Jesus says we can't know. Even he doesn't know. Frustratingly, he doesn't say why. But this is the time that we find ourselves in still, holding on to this hope of Isaiah and not knowing when it will finally be true, trusting this vision of the beloved community is possible here and now and recognizing that it is not yet fully formed. In this time, this time of hope and waiting, this time of wondering and not knowing, Jesus teaches us to be awake, to be ready, to be alert and aware and expectant, to trust that the future does bend toward God's love and justice, to trust not only that God will come with great power and glory, as uh, Matthew writes earlier in verse 30, but that God does come, that God comes here and now with grace and peace and healing and hope that God comes to us in the guise of neighbors and refugees and prophets and maybe even enemies. To trust, as, as the writer Daniel Wiener put it, that every moment might be the small gate through which the Messiah will enter. Jesus teaches us to live our lives now shaped by what we hope, what we trust, what we believe God, day, God will one day make true. And to be ready, to be alert, to be engaged in our particular moments and days, we each have to ask ourselves that question, when are we? The readings, Isaiah and Matthew, situate us in the big biblical story of God at work in the world. God means to work, though, in and around and among and through each of us. So each of us have to ask that question, when are we? What season of life do we find ourselves in? And where is God in this when? Of all the possibilities, what should take precedence now for this time? Not so much what is urgent, but what, what is important, because those two are different. Now, in the book I mentioned earlier, How to Inhabit Time, Smith uh, makes a couple of suggestions to help us think about that question. Some of us sometimes find ourselves in what he calls the long season where parenting is a focal calling. If you've been a parent, you know that can be a season of unimaginable joy. You also know it can be a season of unimaginable tiredness. And there are millions of other claims on our time, right? We're finishing school maybe or we're starting a career or we're trying to renovate an apartment or a house or a condo. But if we ask, when are we? If we recognize in this season that parenting takes precedence, for example, that can also temper some of our other obligations. It can free us by, re by reminding us that we don't have to be perfect. Instead, we can focus on one primal thing in that particular season of our lives. For some of us, the Spirit's calling us uh, to tend to loved ones who are ill or fading. For some of us, maybe it's a season to rest or a season to act, a season to heal, a season to grieve, to let go. Maybe it's a season to take on a new challenge, a season to serve, to lead, to forge new connections. When are we? Where is God in this when, this time that we find ourselves in? And living with the hope of Isaiah and following the way of Jesus, what are we called to do now? Well, that kind of discernment takes time. And that's one of the gifts of Advent. Advent gives us time. Outside the church, it is uh, pretty much Christmas already, and it has been since about Halloween. Advent, though, gives us four weeks to wait, to be attentive, to pray, 
to prepare. So use this gift of Advent time to set with these questions. When am I? Where is God? And what to do now? Give yourself time in this Advent season. Maybe here's one way to think about it. Uh, We've heard two readings today, as I said, from Isaiah and Matthew. The first of those would have originally been written in Hebrew, and the second was written in Greek. When those writers uh, wrote those words long, long ago, they didn't use any spaces or any punctuations in the script as they wrote it out. And in Hebrew, they didn't use any vowels back then. And so it would have been just one long, unbroken string of consonants. And to help you get a sense of what that would look like, uh, in the, there's an announcement in the bulletin today where we left out all the spaces and punctuation. Maybe you can see it's on the back. It's uh, the transitions announcement. No spaces or punctuation. Uh, I wrote it in English, mostly because uh, I took Hebrew a very long time ago and have no idea how I'd write it in Hebrew. Uh, Spellcheck didn't like this at all, by the way. <laughs> it's a little hard to read. Um, you can kind of make, make out the meaning of it. But you can imagine if this was about something more complex than a meeting tomorrow at 1 o'clock, it might be a little harder. You could miss something. It strikes me that that can happen when we live our lives the same way. When days and weeks all run together, when there's no spaces left, the time can get away and we can miss what matters. It's a lot easier to find meaning if we add spaces to our moments and our days. Spaces to be still, to pray, to think, to listen, to receive, to learn, to discern. So these next four weeks of Advent, make sure to add in spaces and sit with these questions. When are we? Where's God in this when? And what am I called to do? And we trust that the Spirit will guide us into all the truth so that we can live well and meaningfully and faithfully now. Amen.